Hi, Ruth. How are you? Good. How are you? Is Sorry. it as hot there? Is it as hot there as it is here? Yeah, it's in the 90s. It's very unpleasant. Okay. Yeah, well, you're in D.C., and it can be hot in the summer and humid. I'm in yeah. the Portland, Maine area, and it shouldn't be this hot. It's like no, 86. I'm going yeah. to Portland, Oregon uh, on Sunday. It's like 104, 105. I think you can have your cooked salmon and you won't have to do more than just go down to the wharf. (laughs) Today on the Women Mind the Water podcast, I am speaking with Ruth Trevaro. Much of her work focuses on nature. She has done an extensive series on animal bones using scratchboard renderings, prints, and hardboard silhouettes. Today, we will be discussing her blog prints. Women Mind the Water podcast engages artists in conversation about their work and explores their connection with the ocean. Through these stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. Our guest today is Ruth Trevorrow. Ruth has worked in many mediums, but she particularly loves cutting blocks to use for printing. The blocks Ruth cuts can be made of wood, linoleum, cardboard, or foam. Ruth grew up in the Washington, D.C. area and says she benefited from being close to the National Museum system. Proximity to the Smithsonian collections provided her with many opportunities to study natural history specimens. Welcome, Ruth. I'm looking forward to learning about your printing process and your evolution as an artist, particularly your water-inspired images. Let's begin with a discussion of the art of block printing. What about this art form interests you? That's a good question. I think uh, I like the artwork that I make. And um, when you paint something, there's one. And when you make a print, you can make more than one. And so it's easier to give it away. I also, um, I've been an artist for a long time, and I used to really struggle with uh, how much for And then my spouse one time suggested something that really appealed to me. She said, why don't you see how little you can sell your work for? Like how little you're comfortable with letting it go for. And I was like, that's a really good idea. I have a job. I don't need, you know, it's not the money so much. But I will say whenever I sell anything, it does give me a good lucky feeling. I was going to say that's a really nice sentiment. I like that to make art affordable and not feel like it's just so important that you better pay through the nose or you're not going to get a copy of what I make. I right. think that's one of the things that really appeals to me about printmaking also, block printing, woodcuts, is there's something about the, I don't know, there's something recognizable in it. It's almost like a way that I see already. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So do you work solely with black ink? No, but I do a lot. And I think probably, again, one of the reasons I do that is because that is, I wouldn't say that's how I see, but that's how I record, right? So all artwork that I do, even if I were doing photography or sculpture or an audio installation, I just did one of those, um, begins with making marks on paper, you know? Um, mark making is some some point in our development as a species, as I, as I understand it, like uh, in caves and such, you know, that making marks about ourselves and our experience. 
So that, so all of my work starts with drawing and usually that's in gray or black. And I think that it becomes a kind of rendering things with line and, sh and shade and texture and black on white or vice versa. Um, it's, it's sort of become like a visual vernacular for me, like a vocabulary or a mm -hmm. way of communicating. How do you select the medium on which to carve the image? That's a good question. Sometimes I think about the complexity of the image. If it's a very complicated or detailed image, then I would choose something that is more durable and can take the cutting, you know, because the instruments are very sharp. You have to sharpen them often. And so I might choose wood or I might choose linoleum. I use a lot of linoleum because it is sort of a neutral surface. It doesn't have a texture. It doesn't bring something to the print other than its stability. And uh, artists have used linoleum a lot for a long time and I trust their judgment. I mean, I've experimented with other materials. I do love carving of wood. It takes longer and it is more difficult. It's not as, I don't know, I wouldn't say forgiving exactly, but, um, and sometimes I carve just on whatever is at hand. One day I was, uh, I was standing out on the dock uh, that I built into a lake. We have a family house on in Michigan, the upper peninsula of Michigan. And I was just mesmerized by the surface of the water, the light on the water, you know? And uh, I reached in my pocket and I had my pocket knife and I had a little scrap of linoleum from my studio. So I just opened my pocket <laughs> knife and I held that scrap of linoleum in my hand and I just scratched away on there looking at the water. And that's one of my favorite prints in the last 10 years probably. It's like a sketch of the surface of the water on a scrap, you know. And then in this current project that I'm working on, I'm experimenting with using an inexpensive, very homogenous textured foam to create color areas, blocks of color behind the black line print, which will be the last uh, um, block to yeah, print yeah. so that they will have some color in them. So what is your process for creating the image on the block? That's a good question too. Um, I, I think I could be described as perhaps a little obsessive. A lot of scientists and artists are, you know, and I, uh, I will study, I see something that I like and I just become transfixed, whether it's the surface of the water or the shadow of the trees or some insect, um, a fish in the water. That's something that's very uh, fascinating to me, fish, seeing fish under the water um, going about their business, you know, eating or mating or chasing each other or hunting and uh, hiding. Um, and I'll just study something for a long time. Off, the best place to study it is out in nature, but oftentimes I'll look at pictures or I'll take pictures of things and bring them back and Sometimes I'll even, and I recommend this to other to younger artists, that I'll draw right on top of a photograph I've taken. You know, I'll print it out on a, you know, printer at Kinko's or FedEx or something, and I'll just take my black pen and just draw right on top of it and see what I learned from copying it. You know, a lot of times I think, 
I'm not so creative as I am copying nature. You know, I'm looking at something, I'm studying it over and over and over again. And I'm deciding what lines I like the best, what are the most beautiful. And then I've become sort of fluent for me in what I see in that thing. And then eventually I'll get around to making what I want the drawing to look like. Um, for this project, I've described a little bit from the uh, Potomac Conservancy. I just drew and drew and drew and drew the osprey. And eventually I came up with a composition that I wanted to use. It's almost like an illustration uh, showing its environment and the Potomac River. And then, uh, and then I need to reverse the image and put it on the block. And that can be achieved in a number of ways. But one of, the, one of my favorites is covering the back of the paper with pencil and then, you know, well, no, covering the front. Oh, my gosh, it's so complicated. You have to reverse the image. <laughs> and so what I'll do is I'll draw on top of whatever the final composition is that I've made, turn the paper over and tape it down face down on the block that I'm going to carve, and then rub that. And then that reversed image is transferred onto the block. And that's okay. where I begin. How do you go about selecting a subject and particularly what inspires you to select water related subjects? Some of the, my best memories uh, are by water, you know, like, and I find I am calmed and mesmerized by water, the surface of water. I described looking at fish. I like being on the surface of water. I remember as a kid, I would go out late at night, you know, this it didn't have to be that like so, so far north. Um, very little light pollution in the skies there and I would go out in the rowboat and I would lay down and I would look up at the sky and, and then I remember one time sitting up and noticing that everything in the sky was reflected on the surface of the water like everything and right. I felt it was a little trippy I felt like I was floating on the sky you know and I could even see, it was the Perseid meteor shower, and I could see um, shooting stars on the surface of the water. So I, uh, it's like magic to me. And it is, most of our planet is covered in water. And uh, I don't well, know. I fully understand what you say. I mean, I particularly like the July 4th near someplace where the fireworks are over water. Because uh, then you get the, the double, you get to look in the right. sky and you look to yeah. in the water. Yeah. <clears throat> so can you tell me a story about one of your water-related prints, how the idea for the image moved from the concept to the final print? And for those who are listening to an audio-only version of the podcast, can you describe the artwork? Yes. Um, I will describe one of the four prints that I'm creating for the Potomac Conservancy. They asked me to make four prints for one of their fundraising, annual fundraising projects. So I'm working on the osprey, the dolphin, beaver, and shad. So the shad, that uh, is an ocean-going fish. But when it spawns, like herring or salmon, it runs as far up uh, freshwater streams, it runs up for us the Chesapeake Bay and the Potomac River and then Rock Creek, even in Washington, D.C. And I'm driving along and I'm thinking about going fishing with my friend and I glance over at 
the creek. And in the creek, I can see all these fish racing against the current, racing upstream. Like, and they were such generic looking fish. They were just, just like a fish, like a silver leaf. They were shaped like a leaf, you know, with a tail. And they were just silver and they would catch the light and they were crowded together racing north, you know. Um, and that is the inspiration for the print that I made of the small school of startled shad. So these shad that I did in the uh, print are not jammed together in Rock Creek because it's about the Potomac River. And so I did them as I used to see them. I uh, went out fishing from the shore even of the Potomac. And what's happening is they're startled by something from above. It's like we're looking down on them or sort of from the shore at them. And and I did walk out and see Shad while I was preparing to do this print in the in the river and in the creek. I could see them. The water was clear enough. And they do, you know, they're in a school. They hang out together. And every now and then somebody gets startled and they all turn this way. And and so this print in particular is showing that they're startled by something. Maybe it's an osprey hunting them, you know, maybe an osprey coming down to get one of them. And they all are just quickly changing direction. Yeah, I, I kayak on Casco Bay. Oh, wow. And it's really fun to get yourself into the middle of a fishball. Oh, and yeah. The water is just, it, it makes noise as if it's boiling. Wow. Yeah. Can't see the fish, but I can hear them. Wow. So, Ruth, what advice can you give listeners who want to express their concern for the water and encourage others to take action to protect the water and its creatures? I would say support two conservation organizations. One that's local to your home. For example, I'm working with the Potomac Conservancy. And one that is international or national. Um, I particularly like the Union of Concerned Scientists. They're the ones Mm -hmm. who published the Red List, which is the list of threatened, endangered, and extinct species. I think that's a very important list that, you know, it took me a while while reviewing it to understand it, but now I take it very seriously. Um, I think appreciating the beauty of what we have helps us take better care of it. It's kind of my notion, you know, I don't know for sure how much that works, but I know that I am more careful with how I use water and you know, what products I choose to buy and how they interact with the environment. And I think the love and care that you put into your art probably uh, transmits that, translates that for people who see your art. I'd like to remind our listeners that I've been speaking with Ruth Trevorrow for the Women Mind the Water podcast series. The series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com. An audio version of this podcast is available on the Women Mind the Water website and on iTunes and Spotify. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the song Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson. Thank you for listening.